Hi, everybody. I'm so excited to be running my first full-length audio newsletter, and especially with my um, guest today, I'm, I'm really, really excited to be talking with Kara Goodwin, who is a child psychologist and a mom of three who specializes in child development. She spent years researching child psychology and neuroscience, providing therapy. She has a fantastic Instagram account that I have been following for a long time, Parenting Translator, all one word, and essentially just doing the amazing, important work of translating the science of child development and parenting research to a lay audience. And I, I love it. It's always so insightful. She also just launched a Substack, which is parentingtranslator.substack.com. I'm very excited to follow. So I'm really excited to have Kara here today to talk about something that I actually don't know much about, but I have been wondering about for years which is the approach to parenting that is called, I guess it's pronounced RIE, R-I-E is how it's spelled. And it stands for Resources for Infant Educarers. I just learned that today. But a lot of people refer to it as like respectful parenting or as a subcategory of gentle parenting. And Janet Lansbury is like the big name in this world of this kind of parenting approach. So I have been wondering for a long time, is there science behind this approach? Can we trust it? And what is it really all about? And so Kara has been researching Rye and really has dug into the science. And so I'm super excited to basically... Pick your brain, Kara, and learn from you and understand all about Rye. So thank you for being here. I'm so happy to, yes. <laughs> so I guess first, I'm curious to hear like a little bit more about you and how you came to start looking into the the science behind parenting and the science behind child development and, and using research to answer parenting questions. Because this is something obviously I do too, yeah. but I'd love to hear like a little bit about your backstory. Yeah. So I'm a child psychologist. So I spent a lot of time, you know, talking to parents about all the research and how to apply it in clinic. And then I became a mother myself and I'd be talking to my mom friends about the various research that I knew about from my training and and I realized that most parents don't know about this research. And I was honestly very surprised. And I'm, you know, just reading all the research anyways, because I'm so interested in it and it's part of my job. And I just decided during the pandemic when we were all um, a little intellectually bored, to put it nicely, I just decided to start, you know, writing up summaries of the research that I was reading and and putting it out there for my my parent friends. And I got a lot of positive feedback and people saying, you know, this is really interesting. I didn't know this. And so I kind of grew my Instagram account just as a passion project and kept getting some some good feedback. And, you know, I decided to turn it into a nonprofit because I really believe that it's a huge problem that there's all this research out there and most parents don't know about it. And even if you did have the time and the training to read the research, it's behind a paywall. There are just so many barriers to parents getting access to this research. That's what really motivates me. And so I've kept going with this Instagram, putting research out there. I have even delved into TikTok recently, which is a crazy world. And I started my newsletter on Substack. So I hope that that will help give parents more resources to kind of know what the research says and, and might make you know the hardest job in the world a little bit easier. Well, I am very grateful for your work. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's so, so helpful. It's just so hard to to kind of sift your way through the noise sometimes and all the conflicting information yes. in parenting and like, what do you trust and what do you believe? Yeah. Yes. So hard. Um, 
And so, and with rye parenting, this is something that I've been hearing about for years. And what what should I believe here? And and what does the science say about this? And what is even like I, I've read a lot about gentle parenting recently. There was pieces in the New Yorker and the yes. New York Times. Jess Groves wrote one and Emily Oster just recently covered it. So there's a lot of talk about it, but I think that's been mostly about like gentle parenting. And I'm curious, what exactly is the the rye component of gentle parenting? Can you just walk us through yeah. a little bit about maybe even the history of yes. it? Like where did it come from? Yes. Differ from like the broader gentle yeah. parenting? Yeah, I would say rye is kind of a genre of gentle parenting. And it's probably the most clearly defined genre and maybe even the most popular um, because the books that focus on this written by Janet Lansbury and her podcasts are, you know, number one in the field. So I would say it's maybe the most popular version of gentle parenting. And it it is a little bit different from kind of the general gentle parenting movement that I see on Instagram and, you know, social media and on mommy blogs. But but yeah, the history is really, really interesting. So there was a woman in Hungary named Magda Gerber who um, took her daughter to the pediatrician and noticed that the way the doctor, the pediatrician was talking to her daughter was very respectful. And she just really latched onto this idea. And she developed this whole program called Resources for Infant Educators, which is you know, an unfortunate name, but um, <laughs> um, to put it nicely. But she, so she developed this program with a pediatrician in the United States. And then Janet Lansbury, who is a common name that I think most parents know, she has an interesting history. She was a model actress living out in LA. And when she had her own kids, felt very lost. And then she somehow like stumbled upon Magda Gerber's work and was just fascinated by it. And took one of her classes, became certified in this method, and really spread it to the whole country. And she's translated it, like I do, in words that parents <laughs> understand. And, and I think a lot of parents have latched onto it and find it's an approach that really speaks to them. Yeah. Okay. That's and that's so interesting about Janet Lansbury's background. I kind of like assumed she had a child development background or something. Yes. But she doesn't. She just found out about this and thought it was really interesting and then just sort of self-taught herself this approach and exactly and translates it for other parents. Exactly. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Really, really interesting. So um, if you were going to give us first, and we'll dig into like some of the details and some of the aspects that are maybe both supported by science and some that aren't as a child development specialist yourself, what is your overall take on it? Like, yeah. do you think that this generally is a, a good approach to, for parents to have, or is it like a good approach with some reservations or is it, it also to me, like, I always felt like these gentle parenting approaches sound really great in theory, but then in practice, they're really yeah. hard. Yeah. <laughs> you have to have like endless patience. So I, yeah. I guess too, like, is it like practical? Mm -hmm. I mean, what, I guess if you yeah. want to sort of like summarize your thoughts on it. Yeah. So I think the big principles of Rye are beautiful. So it's focused on having like an authentic and respectful relationship with your child, which of course we would all want that, you know, it sounds wonderful. And it involves really trusting your child and seeing them as a competent, independent person. So I think, you know, all of that is great. The big picture is really great. Some of the details. So in practice, this would it be, you know, involving your child in caregiving, giving them a safe, predictable environment, allowing time for uninterrupted play, being a calm and confident leader. Janet Lansbury talks about that a lot. Setting firm boundaries with empathy. All of this is like so great. You know, all these general principles. I guess I worry 
about when it's presented as this is the approach that you use for all children and that this is the only thing that works. We don't have any research at all on rye, which is shocking given how popular it is. So when we don't have research on something, we don't know if it works. We don't know if it doesn't work, but we, we don't know if it works. And I worry that if it doesn't work for parents, that they'll feel like they're failing or there's something wrong with them or wrong with their child. We don't know if this will work for most children. And we do have parenting programs out there that we do know work for most children. And they're they're slightly different. So I think it, it's good for parents, you know, to know that there are other tools in their toolbox they can use besides that, even though I agree with the general principles. Okay. Yeah. It's really, really interesting that there's really no research on this approach as a whole. And I guess maybe that's why I don't know much about it because in digging into the research that I did for my book, I was looking for like what has actually been tested. Yes. And so rye just never came up. And and I remember like people asking me, why don't you cover this? And I and I was like, I think maybe there's no research. I don't know. But thank you for actually looking because this is, as you say, such a popular approach. And if there's really like if it's never really kind of been put to the test as a as a whole parenting philosophy, that's very, very interesting. But as you say, it might not be something that works for all kids. And is there also like an element of if you don't do this, if you have a different approach, if you use like consequences or timeouts or the things that really aren't okay in Rye, that like you might be harming your kids? Is there like an implication that if you don't use this kind of parenting that you might be putting your kid at risk or or hurting your kid in some way? Yeah, I think there is an implication that if you are using timeout, for example, or you are using consequences, that this is not respecting your child. Whereas, you know, as a child psychologist, I would argue that part of having respect for your child is kind of knowing what strategies work best for them and using them. And and I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. So yeah, I think there is some sort of undertone that if you are not using this approach, that you are not respecting your child, that this is going to result in some sort of negative outcome as an adult. Yeah. Okay. That that always concerns yes. me too. Anything that's like shaming parents. I mean, we have so much pressure on us yes. right now as it is. Anything that makes us feel worse about our choices and and sometimes our reactions. I mean, of course, all of us make mistakes or yell at our kids sometimes when we don't want to, but the implication that like this is going to like screw up your kid. Yes. And I worry, <laughs> you know, in particular, I think some of the suggestions for caring for infants seem impossible to me. So she recommends no pacifiers no baby wearing, Mm. putting your infant on their back to play and leaving them be and no swaddling. That's the other one. And I just, I I can't imagine. I mean, I've had three infants at this point. I'm like, I just can't imagine. And, you know, knowing also about the physiology of an infant and how they kind of need somebody regulating for them in those early months. And I, I just don't know if I see that approach as realistic or even what's best for an infant. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I didn't know any of this about the infant stuff. Okay. Yes. Let's unpack this a little bit. Why can't you hold your kid in a carrier or swaddle them? Like what, do you know what the rationale is? A big tenant of Rye is allowing for unobstructed free movement and any sort of movement like that or any sort of restriction of their movement 
is getting in the way of your child's development is what this approach argues. And another thing that really bothers me about the infant caring suggestions is she's also against tummy time, which we have decades of research showing that tummy time is not only important for motor development, but is also associated with all these benefits for cognitive development and basically every aspect of a child's development. So it's it's very important. And the argument against tummy time is you should never put your baby in a position that they can't get it to on their own. But I I would argue that a newborn can't get into any position on their own. Um, You know, (laughs) even if you place them down on their back, like they couldn't get on their back on their own. So it, it doesn't totally add up to me. And what I worry is it sets parents up right away for something that's just so unrealistic. And I don't know any parent, but she, she says you should validate your infant when they're upset and, and that's wonderful. But I don't know any parent knowing how much a baby would cry without any of those kind of tools that we have as an early parent. I don't know any parent that could really tolerate that. I mean, they, they're amazing. If I do know any, I know I couldn't. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I think there's, there's, some parts of this that are just so aspirational that I worry that it sets parents up for failure. That is such a good way to put it. It's so aspirational yes. and, <laughs> and impractical. I mean, is there any research suggesting that restricting a baby's movement through swaddling or putting them in a carrier, that that is associated with like a reduction in developmental no, progress? No, there's no research. You know, there's research mm-hmm. showing many, many benefits of baby wearing. That's one of the things that I'm, uh, we feel very strongly about promoting because the skin touching is just, we know yeah. so important for brain development. There is some research, very limited, showing that devices like walkers, if a baby is put in them for a significant amount of time, may delay motor development, but not any research showing that holding your baby or carrying them in a baby carrier or swaddling is associated with delays in motor development. And we know from so much research how beneficial tummy time is. So it's just, whenever I see something that goes against like a lot of high quality research, I'm kind of like, oh, you shouldn't say that. Yeah, absolutely. And when the recommendation, not only is it like going against what we know from research is good, but they're claiming it's because there's some negative effect of doing it too. Like that, that restraining their movement is somehow bad for them when there is literally no research on that. That is really a stretch. Yes. And the other thing that really bothers (sighs) me is the right approach is very anti-parentese, which is, you know, the annoying voice we all use when we speak to a baby or a dog, you know, like, hi, baby, how are you? It's higher pitched. It's exaggerated vowels. It's kind of drawn out, slower. Parentese is used across cultures, across history. This is something that parents just like very naturally do with babies. And there's so much research showing that babies pay more attention to it, that it improves their language development. And it really is the way that parentese is used with the exaggerated tone and the elongating and the slowness that is associated with language development. So there's so much research on how beneficial it is. And, you know, the Rye approach suggests that you should talk to your child as you would an adult, which is great in some ways, because then you're using a lot of language, which, you know, I think some people don't really speak that much to babies and that's not great for their language development either. But it's important to remember that a baby is not an adult, that we know that their brains are different. And this goes for toddlers too. You know, I wouldn't speak to my 
toddlers in the same way I spoke to my husband because of language development and because there's some things that that work for my toddler's developmental level that do not work for my husband's developmental level. You know, (laughs) it's like I I use a lot of silliness and that helps and they love it. And I think the Rye approach would say that's not being respectful. I think silliness is an incredible tool for parents to have in their toolbox. There's nothing wrong with that and it can only help make your job a little bit easier. So, um, yeah, so I think that, you know, I worry about the, the general approach of giving babies the same respect as adults, babies, toddlers, young children, all deserve respect. I can't say that enough, but they are not cognitively at the same level as an adult. And I think respecting them is recognizing that and yep. speaking at a level yep. that they can understand in a way that is engaging to them. Yeah, that is so odd to me that talking to them in this parenties is considered disrespectful in some way that kind of blows my mind yes. a little bit. I feel like I talk about so much in my newsletter is just the how different children's brains are from adult brains and how different parts of the brains take so long to develop. And yeah, we, we should be communicating with them in developmentally appropriate ways. I feel like that term developmentally appropriate is something I use a lot because it is something I hear from child Mm. psychologists all the time. We need to be communicating with them on a level that they can understand and connect with. And this is what Parentese does. It's the infant version of that. That really seems to go against so much, not just like the direct research on Parentese, but the whole philosophy of like child development. It really seems to go against that. I agree. That's strange to me. I'm going back to, I just can't help but go back to the origins of this. And you said, so this, the woman Magda. Magda Gerber. Yes. Magda (laughs) Gerber. She'd heard her pediatrician speak in this way, but did she have a background herself? And then she kind of like developed this into this approach, but did Magda like a a background in child development? I can't remember she said. She did have a master's in early childhood education. So she had some and she did develop it with a pediatrician, but still I would argue it's one person's opinion, which is not an evidence-based parenting program. And it, it may yep. work. It may work for, I, I would assume it has to work for some kids. Otherwise, these books would not sell in this way. It worries me that parents feel like it, it should work or it's the only approach that they can use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Absolutely. It's a very limited toolbox yes. that they're giving you. Yeah. Um, and with older kids, I mean, you mentioned that Rye does advocate for setting boundaries mm-hmm. for kids. And, and obviously we know that's really important, but um, maybe I'm, tell me if I'm getting this wrong, but that they um, really don't like consequences, punishments, you know, timeouts, yeah. anything like that, that's sort of punitive in any way. Um, and I've had... I've, talked in my newsletter about, you know, punishments aren't always an effective approach either. And there's different ways to have consequences that can be maybe even, you know, natural yes. consequences and other kinds of logical consequences that can be more effective. But does Rye really frown at any kind of consequence? And if so, like, how did they recommend um, establishing and maintaining boundaries if there's no way to follow through? What's their approach to discipline, I guess? Um, <laughs> I, mean, I think it's important with all of these gentle parenting movements to remember that there are consequences, even if you do nothing for your child's behavior. If mm. your child snatches a toy from their brother and you as the parent stand there and do nothing, they just got a positive consequence 
of getting access to the toy, you know? So it's like, that's reward of the behavior, whether or not you do anything at all. If your child hits you and you get down on their level and are validating their feelings, you're giving them the positive consequence of your attention. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying you shouldn't validate your child's feelings. Like that's very important, but parents have to understand that their consequences no matter what we do. So I think as a parent, it's all about like shaping the consequences in a way that kind of teaches the values that we want to teach. And there's nothing wrong with that. So, you know, I think Rye, they recommend with any sort of, you know, disruptive behavior is getting down on your child's level, being present with them and their big feelings, validating their feelings. And, you know, if your child hits you or hits their brother, you know, you would say, I can't let you hit. And you would physically stop them, which is a consequence. Mm-hmm. You're limiting mm-hmm. their movement. So it is a negative consequence. So whether you want to, call, you know, they want to call it that or not, it is. So, yeah. you know, I think that that all behaviors have consequences and whether you call it that or not, I, I would say that that there are some consequences there. Rye does oppose um, timeout or any sort of unrelated consequences like privilege removal, like you've lost your iPad for the rest of the day. And the research shows that, you know, some children don't need consequences. Some children, you could fully do the positive, gentle parenting and it's great and their behavior improves and and it works. But there are a subset of children that research has found that when you only use the positive aspects of these parenting programs, that their behavior doesn't improve and in some cases even gets worse. So it it is okay if you feel like you do need to use consequences. Obviously, if they're related to the behavior, that's even better because, you know, then it helps your child link it up and and learn kind of what you're wanting them to learn. But there's nothing wrong with timeout done in in a calm and respectful way. And it it gives parents and, and children a chance to calm down, which I think it's unrealistic to expect parents to be present with their child's big emotions, especially when they're kicking them and hitting them or just hurt their sibling. It, it's just unrealistic to be calm throughout that entire time. And and if you're present with your child and you're not calm, you're not helping anybody. It's better for you to walk away. It's better for you yeah. to say, okay, please go to timeout and you take the t- time to calm down when they're in timeout than trying to be present with them and you're internally losing your cool um, <laughs> or externally losing your cool. But if, if you are not genuinely calm, like you're not helping anybody. And what worries me about the Rye approach, they even suggest that if your child says, leave me alone, to to still stay with them. And I would argue that that's not respecting the child and their and right. their individual needs. So I I think that's, you know, some there's some contradictory stuff in there that I think it's important for parents to learn that being present with your child for their big emotions and validating their feelings, all of that is great and supported by research. It's it's not always going to work like that in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. I really appreciate Claire Lerner's work. I don't. She just um, wrote a book. Why is my child in charge? Yes. I love how she sort of marries. Yes, you know, validating emotions important, but also you you can say I need to take a mommy moment or yes. I need a little space or this is really loud for my ears. And you can have both of these things and work them together and be respectful and yet also 
communicate yeah. to your child what you need yes. and, and, and respect yes. what they need. Yes. And yeah. I think that's teaching children that we all, other humans have needs too, because no other relationship in their life is somebody going to be calmly there validating their feelings. Any of us who are married, <laughs> right. any of us who are married can attest to that. So, you know, it's, it's, it kind of setting unrealistic expectations for relationships and, and it's important to know that yeah. other people, even your parents have needs and they have emotional needs and sometimes they need a moment. Yes. Yes. Right. And there is research on inductive discipline where parents will say like it will tie the effects of their kids' choices on other people. Yes. Like here's how it's affecting me or somebody else in the family. And there's good research showing yes. that that can be very, very effective for teaching kids to be compassionate and think of others yes. and think of themselves as part of a bigger whole. And so, yeah, right. And and it's that's interesting that Rye is kind of not, they don't advocate for that in some way. Yeah. Huh. That's really, that's really interesting. I mean, I have struggled with the balance between, and sorry if this is going off on a little bit of a tangent, but like, you know, it's good to make sure kids understand that their actions have consequences on others and they can affect others, but without also making them feel like they're responsible for everyone's happiness. And there's like a, a balance in there you have to strike that is a little tricky. Yes, (laughs) definitely. And I, I imagine I could see how maybe this is possibly part of the issue that Rye has with, with that. Like maybe it makes kids feel some kind of shame or something that is unhealthy. And I can see that too, but but there's, there's gotta be a happy medium, like a middle ground you could find there. Uh. Yes. I think like acknowledging what's realistic for parents and especially if you have multiple kids and you have other stressors in your life, I think it's really hard to always be as calm and confident as Janet Lansbury is on her podcast. So, Right. Right. Yeah. I'm certainly not always calm. No, me neither. (laughs) I I wish I I were, but I'm not. Yes. That's true. Are there other aspects of Rye that you would want to call out either for maybe being not well supported by research or that you think are really great that you haven't mentioned? You know, I think, like I said, I think that the general principles are wonderful. And I think it all gives us something kind of to aspire to in terms of this authentic, respectful relationship with our child. But I think it's just so important for parents to know that if it doesn't work for you personally, or it doesn't work for your child, or it doesn't work for your family, like that's okay. And then you can seek out other tools. I get this sense that all these parenting approaches, it's kind of becoming like religion. Like you feel like you have to choose one and you Mm -hmm. must stick to all the core tenets of that religion. But, you know, I tend to, as a parent personally, just kind of take from all these different approaches. And, you know, I'm usually going off the research because that's something I feel strongly about. But, you know, I take something from attachment parenting and something from gentle parenting and something from old school parenting, for lack of a better term. And, you know, it's not a religion. You don't have to convert and believe in every aspect of it. You can kind of take what works for you. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't mean you failed. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you or your child. It just means that there's a different tool out, out there that you could try. I could not agree yeah. more. I 
<laughs> yes, 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 yes. And I, I really appreciate your comparison there to religion because I agree. Yes. I think it's it, it it does almost feel like a religion for some parents, and it doesn't have to. Yeah, I I also borrow from I pull things from different things that I find that either I'm I find really compelling from the research or that just work really well with my kids. Yes. and and I use different things with my two different kids because they're different. You know? So true. And so yeah. that's the other thing. Yes. Like so yeah, true. You know your child. Yeah. Yeah. You know yourself, you know your child. My partner uses sometimes different strategies than I yes. do. Just, I mean, and then that's okay. Yeah. And right. So I, I, I really appreciate that message. Yeah. <laughs> and I have just learned so much. I really appreciate you walking us through this and explaining both the philosophy of Rye and then why it's overall has has a, a great has a lot of great foundations in it, but at the same time might not be something that um, will work for everyone and and or may not be the most effective in some ways yeah. because it doesn't align with the research. So, thank you for unpacking this for us. So happy really, really to helpful. so happy to thank you. And I just want to make sure I say again, or maybe you should say how everyone can find you um, if they want to um, subscribe to your newsletter or follow you on Instagram. Can you just share your, how how can we find you? So I'm at Parenting Translator (laughs) on Instagram, um, parentingtranslator.substack.com for my newsletter and www.parentingtranslator.com for my website. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kara. This has been fantastic. And thank you for being my inaugural full-length newsletter guest. Happy to. (laughs) I this was super fun, actually. I I'm gonna do more of these. Yeah. (laughs) So all right. Well, thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh,